Hi, I'm Katrina Ingram. Welcome to Back to School Again, the show for midlife learners. This season, we're pleased to partner with Athabasca University as we take our show production fully online. Athabasca University is celebrating 50 years as Canada's online university. On this show, we talk with midlife learners about their educational journeys, sharing their stories about how they are balancing the demands of school, work, and family, and where they hope their educational pursuits will take them. For the past two seasons, I've wanted to interview members of the same family who attended the same school for the same program, not necessarily at the same time, but who shared the same experience. Today, I'm having that conversation. My guests are Lola Hines and Caitlin Wheeler, a mother and daughter who both recently took part in the Women Building Futures program, a program designed to help women train for roles in the trades. Lola recently completed her Class 1 Professional Drivers, and Caitlin is a first-year electrician and completed her Journey Women Start program. Both have also recently started new jobs as well. Lola and Caitlin, I'm so excited to speak with you today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Great. Well, first, congrats to both of you on recently completing your programs. And before we get into your back-to-school journey, I'd love to talk a bit more about what brought you to this point in your career. So, Lola, I'm going to start with you. Um, You have a really diverse background because in addition to your driver credentials, um, you're also a registered clinical hypnotherapist and a journeyman welder. And I'm just wondering, how did you go into those lines of work? Um, I would have to say welding came first. Uh, I moved to Alberta 17 years ago. I'm originally from Newfoundland. Uh, I actually had a, or have a business admin diploma. And I was working for a company called AMP Construction in their office, just doing like uh, all of their data management and stuff. There was a welder, a rig welder, who had his own truck that needed a helper one day. And I had volunteered to go out and help. So the the manager of the company said it was okay. So I went out and helped. And um, I just loved the process of welding and um, putting the metals together and things like that. Oh, really interesting. So you kind of went from working in the office to actually, you know, being, um, you know, more hands-on in terms of of the work. I did. It was just for a couple of days, I think. And then that part of my job had uh, finished. Mm -hmm. And they called me back and asked if I wanted to come back as a welder's helper. And I did that. So we finished that job and we went to a job in BC uh, for St. John. And I remember getting my first paycheck and I'm thinking, I don't know if this is right, but I didn't really say anything. And then I got my next paycheck and it was so much more. And I had said to the the man that was mentoring me, it was, uh, his business was cool hand loop welding, but, um, he said, that's right. And it was a substantial amount of money. Um, it was hard work and long hours, but in my mind, I think I just went right straight to, I can support my kids. I was a single mom. I could support my kids on my own with just one job. If I continue with this welding. 
Amazing. Wow. That's interesting uh, when you when you thought, hey, is this paycheck right? Um, <laughs> obviously, it was more than you were making um, with your business admin uh, diploma. So so that's pretty cool. And then how did that translate then to clinical or uh, hypnotherapy? Because uh, that seems like quite a big jump as well. Was that something that you did in addition to the welding? Or did you sort of switch gears from welding to uh, to this other area? Uh, what had happened, I had a spinal injury. Um, I had uh, two uh, discs in my back uh, blew out. I was uh, active in the gym quite a bit. Uh, I was in the squatting rack at three in the morning before work, and I loaded my bar up as I did every other morning. And uh, once I got into the bottom half of my squat, my spine had uh, rounded mm. my pelvic area. I realized what had happened, but I was a little bit too proud, I guess, to ask for help. And I tried to push through the weight up and I had blew out two discs in my spine, which left me paralyzed on my right side. Oh, my. Wow. So so that then um, in turn led to needing to do something that was, you know, a little less physically demanding. Yes, I went ahead and retrained for I did a bunch of stuff. Um some planning and scheduling courses. I did work-based planning fundamentals. And then I went on to do level one inspecting, welding inspecting, and um, uh, which was great, but it still required me to be re- really, really physical. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I just had one surgery mm-hmm. uh, to correct some of the damage that was done. And I was on some pretty heavy pain meds, which I wasn't okay with. And I had uh, searched on the internet uh, natural pain remedies, mm-hmm. and I come across uh, hypnosis videos on YouTube. Oh, so you were actually looking for something to help yourself initially, um, not necessarily um, from a career standpoint, but just something to, to help with your own situation. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting how sometimes, you know, that does lead to um, a career change and, and something totally different. Um, and so then with the clinical hypnotherapist work, did you take some courses or train online or go to a physical school? Or how did that work in terms of getting into that line of work? I actually did a lot of all of it. I did some online stuff. Mm-hmm. I went to two schools in Edmonton. Uh, because there's different levels of hypnotherapy. You start out as a hypnotherapist, then you go to a uh, registered hypnotherapist, then you advance to a clinical hypnotherapist. And the difference between those is that the clinical hypnotherapist can work alongside of um, psychiatrists. Mm-hmm. We can work from the DSM, the Diagnostic Manual. We cannot di- diagnose, but we can do an assessment and refer them to a psychiatrist if need be. So I was able to work with um, uh, trauma people, like uh, um, women that have been um, abused and raped and things like that. It's a yeah, very rewarding when you can help somebody. Yeah, no, I, I imagine it, it would be. And, um, you know, as I'm listening to you kind of tell this story, I'm, I'm also thinking about... Um, a lot of the the barriers that you've personally overcome because um, in your guest questionnaire, you also shared with me a little bit about your childhood and kind of the um, how you grew up and, and how that shaped you personally. And I'm just wondering if you could maybe share with um, our listeners a little bit about that earlier uh, part of your life and how that kind of plays into your story. Um, I mean, 
if we go back through the generations, I don't think I was treated any different than my parents were. So I'm not placing any blame on anybody, but I was unfortunately born into a family of abuse, addiction, and poverty. Uh, my mother has, had left when I was very young. She had taken my brother and my sister with her, and I was left with my dad, who was an alcoholic. So my childhood consisted of trying to feed us and myself and my dad and uh, taking care of the house. I quit school in grade nine. Um, I just was in such a hurry to get out of that situation. And also, um, I just had to take care of my dad. I had to go home after school. I couldn't, uh, you know, I just couldn't have uh, the life that most people had. And nobody knew about this. Um, so, again, I'm not placing any blame on anybody, per se. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like you're you're a person who's overcome, who's managed to kind of find a path forward and, and overcome a lot of things. Um, and I'll skip forward a bit then to to talk about your most recent uh, change uh, in career. Uh, you decided to uh, start your class one driver's training in the spring of 2019, and that's with Women Building Futures. And I'm just wondering, you know, why did you decide to, to take your career back in the, this direction and, and why professional driving credentials? This is a, an ironic and um, it's a story that can put faith into the law of attraction, to be honest with you, because I remember uh, being young when I had my kids. I had my kids in my 20s. And I remember saying to multiple people, including myself over and over again, that when my last child, my youngest child graduated, I was going to become a truck driver so I can travel and get paid. And I'm just a bit of a gypsy myself. Huh. And um, it had it that my youngest daughter had graduated the June before this program was offered to me. And I just said to my husband, I said, there's, there's no way that I cannot do it. Hmm. It's just lining up way too uh, perfect for me to just say, no, I'll pass on that. So it was a free program through Women Building Futures. They take you in. Um, they mentor you. They give you all the training that you need. They pay for everything. It's it's just great. Wow, that's amazing. And how did you first hear about them? Was it through one of their ads or did you know someone or how did you learn about what they were doing? Well, I have a childhood friend. He's more like a brother, I guess. Brian McCarthy, he, I, w I saw a post on Facebook that he was in Texas. And I said, well, what are you doing in Texas? He said, driving trucks. So he's been a truck driver his whole life. And I said, well, what about your wife? Like, is she's here, here in Alberta? He said, she's driving truck too. Huh. So, yeah, he went in to tell me about uh, Women Building Futures and how she took the program. And I just applied online and everything just snowballed from there. That's fantastic. Well, obviously, it was, it was totally meant to be. Um, and we're going to, I'm going to pause. We're going to talk a lot more about women building futures, but first I want to bring Caitlin into our conversation. So Caitlin, uh, you saw your mom take part in this program and that inspired you to attend women building futures as well. And I, I just love your story. Um, and I want to know a little bit more about, you know, why, what you wanted to get out of this program for yourself after seeing your mom's journey. So I've, my mom's been one of my biggest role models since the day I was born. It doesn't matter. I've typically been clung to her hip. I call her about 10 times a day to see how her day's going. <laughs> um, but just seeing how strong she was and the fact that 
It didn't matter that she had broken her back or the surgery she had gone through. She still got up. She got her career. She moved on with life. And I was working a $15 an hour job, barely making ends meet, asking her for loans on a constant. And I just couldn't do it anymore. Like I watched her raise me and my baby sister by herself. There was never any help from our dads. And I mean, I would like to have a family and be a good mother like her one day, but I can't do that on a $15 an hour job. So I decided women building futures was the thing for me. And in all honesty, I never would have even made it to the program if it weren't for mom pushing me towards it. Um, I have a tendency to give up when I get too flustered. Mm -hmm. So she just pushed me and pushed me, you know what, here, let's get the interviews done. Let's get this done. Uh, Get your paperwork sent in. I know it's getting hard, but you can do it. And then with me being at work now, you're a woman in the trades. You're not always going to find the most pleasant people to work with. It doesn't matter where you go. So you're going to run into somebody who's not exactly the nicest to you. And each time I do, the first person I call is my mom. Wow. And every time I do, she just tells me, breathe it out, baby. It'll get better. You're on your way. That's fantastic. It's, it's amazing that you are, you have that support in your life. I, I think that's incredible. Um, I want to ask you a bit about the Journey Women Start program. Um, what was that like? For example, um, who else was in the program? Um, what kinds of things did you learn? How long was it? So it was a 17-week course. There were, at the beginning, 18 of us that went into the course. And sadly, by the end of the course, there were only 16 of us that left. Um, I met some of my best friends today out of that course. Um, I have Tiara. She also works as a first-year electrician with PCL. She actually started a shift before me. And then I have Ashley, but she prefers to go by Turtle. And from the day she started Journey Woman Start, she was going to be a pipe fitter. It didn't matter what anybody told her. It didn't matter if he said, just slow down, take in the other ones, see how it goes. And she is now a first-year apprentice pipe fitter out on the Heartland site as well. So the best part about Journey Woman Start, they were there for you. No matter what you were going through, you had an emergency pop-up and you didn't have gas to get to work or get to school for that day. Okay, well, I'll get you a gas card. And they'd give you a $50 gas card to make sure you can make it. Um, Your money was running short for that week and you had no groceries, especially the mothers with children, because being in school for 17 weeks is hard on a bank account. So unless you have that steady income and then you have money put away for it, you're usually struggling for the most part because basic EI doesn't really cover your necessities. So they had a pantry at the school for us. And if you needed anything, they were there. They had counselors that you could talk to. Um, My original course coordinator, Janelle, she was fantastic. Mm. Anything I needed, she helped me with it. All of the teachers there are phenomenal. Um, so I could never really concentrate in high school. I did drop out um, for a few years and I finally got my diploma at 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the way the courses run, like they, they take you through it step by step. It's a wonderful place to be. The shops are so cool. 
Um, the teachers are very supportive. Even when you get down on yourself, like I know in welding, I was not the greatest welder, which is surprising. I should have it ingrained in my blood. Um, but I got really, really down on myself. And the first thing the teachers say is, you know what? Breathe it out. Let's try again. I'll show you another trick so you can get into it. Amazing. Uh, Amazing. For plumbing and electrical, it was great. And you want to know it? It's probably the best course you could ever go to. Because even though you're not a registered apprentice at that point, it gives you that option to choose what you want. And you get to try a little bit of everything. And when I say when you set up a kitchen sink and plumbing or um, you solder some pipe together or anything like that when it comes to plumbing, like you're super proud that you were able to do that. And the same thing with carpentry when we build the dog houses and stuff. So we would build dog houses for a charity. So every dog that would go home would get a dog house. And that was our project for our carpentry um, week. Wow. So, my my heart is exploding listening to you. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to ask you, so it sounds like it, to me that you try a lot of different things in the Journey Women Start and then, and you chose um, to become an electrician. Is that kind of the idea that you try a, a few different things and then you choose the thing that you're gravitating towards? Absolutely. It just gives you the option to just try it, see what you're good at, see what you enjoy. Like for me, I like plumbing. Um, I like pipe fitting. I could bevel a pipe like it was nobody's business. But yes, I gravitated towards those and I did enjoy them. But my favorite portion would have been electrical. So they got us to, so in carpentry, you build these walls and then they go into the electrical unit. And then you go in there during your electrical week and you wire up a little board with um, with just like receptacle uh, inserts and then you wire that up and you turn it on and then by the end of your course your teacher actually has you wiring up these walls so I got to wire up a five-piece circuit on a three-way switch and it was the proudest moment of my entire life when I flipped that switch and those lights came on wow Wow. And that's how I knew that it was probably best that I go into electrical because that's really the only thing that I had a, a real passion for. I love that. I love that story. And you've told me a lot, Caitlin, about what you like about the program. That was going to be my next question, but I, I, I get a sense of what you like about this program. And I'm, I'm also getting a sense of the community um, that's surrounding this program. And you mentioned like meeting some people that you consider great friends now. And I, I think that's such an important piece of like the back to school journey is just the people that you're on the journey with um, just makes it that much more, you know, enjoyable and rich. Um, I'm going to switch maybe back to you, Lola, and, and ask you to think about that first day that you um, went into your program. Um, tell us a bit about that experience. What was that like for you? Um, because I've been in school so much, I didn't really have too many nerves. Um, I call myself a lifer, really, when it comes to school, because I'm pretty sure I'm not done continuing learning. Right. Um, I was really nervous about the actual truck driving. I was also nervous about math. So because I, um, because of my childhood, I believe, um, in my younger age, like my, my dad only had a three grade three education, mom, probably five or six, but 
I didn't have any help in school, so I never really learned the fundamentals of math. So even in uh, trade school, every year I had to get a tutor because my brain just, I'm not analytical for one, but uh, my brain couldn't comprehend math. So I was really nervous about that. And again, I had to get help even in truck driving school. I'm not embarrassed to say it. Uh, my brain just doesn't work with numbers. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm not a I'm not a numbers person naturally either. So I, I can totally relate. Um, and so like, was there a fair amount of math? Did you encounter that a lot? I wouldn't say uh, a fair amount of math, but we had to go through, um, you know, it was part of the curriculum, which was fantastic, because, you know, who would think that a truck driver would have to figure out how much is left in a tank and how much you can put fit in and you know the eulogy and stuff of that yeah so it was uh i would say a week i think a week of uh, math wow and did you find like caitlin that you met a lot of people like that there was kind of this sense of community in the program or, or how is that experience for you there were 11 uh women that started out and i have to say that a lot of us were mature women i think there was just a couple of uh young girls but uh, they fit in well as well. But I would say I uh, became friends with one that uh, really uh, stuck to me. Her name was uh, Fanat. And uh, she went to work with Trimac afterwards. And I went to work with Westcan. So we're not, we don't talk as often as we'd like. And then there was one other girl who was uh, quite a bit younger than me, but just a phenomenal person. And even she lives uh, not far from me, actually. She just had a baby. And uh, we still talk quite often and we go on walks together and stuff. That's fantastic. It's so nice to have like that kind of community when you meet people when you're going back to school and then to be able to carry that on like after, you know, after you've graduated. Um, that's wonderful. Um, Caitlin, I'm going to uh, switch back to you and ask you, what was the most challenging thing about going back to school for you? Um, I want to say just basically getting out of your comfort zone. Mm. I mean, you, you fall into a routine, um, just, just living everyday life. So I was a bar manager and I worked 40 hour weeks and didn't really have time for anything. And now you're just jobless. You're walking into a place with a ton of new faces. Um, you just like, you have to get comfortable, get to know people. Um, the way that the course was set up was very intimidating to go into. Um, but I would recommend it to anybody in all honesty. So when we all got in there, it was just 18 girls sitting around a very long table, not saying anything, super quiet. Um, and then me and Ashley just kind of clicked and we both made a couple of eh, select comments. <laughs> Not exactly the most appropriate, but <laughs> we were we were the young ones in the group. So that's usually how it goes. And from there on, everybody opened up and we were thick as thieves for the rest of it, for the rest of the course. And that's then the only other challenge would have been, so with the Journey Woman Start course, you do a week of academics in your first couple of weeks of the course. And then at the end of the course, you do three weeks straight of academics and then you go write a major exam afterwards. Mm. So 
I think it would be that because I mean, my group ranged from people as young as 20 to people who were almost 60 years old. Oh, interesting. That's a range. That's a range. Yeah. So the difference in, in education throughout this group was a lot different. Like, um, Irene, she was, I think she's 55. So, I mean, her education compared to what my education was, is completely different. And there are a lot of newer things brought into it. So she then had to learn how to do all of this. And our teacher was great. Absolutely great. Um, she taught us everything we needed to know, gave us the tips and tricks. And I can guarantee you, every pipe fitter that came out of that class will never forget Heidi Low, Heidi Low. <laughs> what does that mean? Help me understand um, that. <laughs> so it was, I can't remember if it was math or science, but it was one of her, one of her remembering tips. Um, so you go from high to low. So high, low, high, low. And she used to just run around the class saying, Heidi low, Heidi low. So when you're trying to find your, uh, I believe it's just your angles or maybe it's your rise and run in pipe fitting. Mm-hmm. Um, you usually have to use the high lows and all of the girls consistently say, oh, I remember Joanne. So it's pretty cool. I love that. That's great. Um, I want to ask you also, Caitlin, um, because, uh, you know, a lot of people that I talk to, um, of course, when we go back to school, we learn actual skills, there's a content of the program. But most of the people I talk with also learn something about themselves, some kind of personal um, insight or something uh, that they learn about themselves. And I'm just wondering about you. Was that your experience? Like, did you learn something about yourself as a result of taking this program? And if you did, what was that? Uh, There were a few things I learned. Um, One more. So I learned this, but I kind of knew it from the beginning, but I I really clicked into it. I'm not a morning person. (laughs) Um, That's for sure. Um, And then another thing is, is I'm a more fast paced worker. I like to constantly go, go, go. Like there's no stopping once I start. And I did have a lot of my teachers um, right in my um, it's basically just like a, a response to you and your whole class. They do up a review of your character. And I was said to be one of the hardest workers that they had ever seen. So when it comes to that, I know I don't have the highest amount of patience. And I had to learn a lot of patience in this course because not only was there a range of people from a young age to an older age, there were also a lot of um people who didn't speak very fluent English. Mm-hmm. So I would usually end up paired up with them because, um, it, I don't know, I guess I was just ahead of the group for a lot of it. So that way I had time to run back through and teach them. Mm-hmm. And it did frustrate me a lot. And I did have a couple of moments where I had to pull my teacher aside and just be like, I need you to calm me down. I'm getting super frustrated right now. And in the end, it actually taught me a lot more patience and to just understand where somebody else is coming from. Mm -hmm. So like before I would just snap and be like, I'm not doing it anymore. I don't want to do this. I, it's just not something I want to do. And that would be it for me. Right. But now I see it from their point of view. So you don't know how their day has been. If they're being snippy with you, you don't know. Um, what their education was like in the country that they came from or anything like that. So don't just automatically jump to the conclusion that they're going to know how to do what you know how to do. Sometimes you just have to give somebody a helping hand. And that's what the course teaches you to do is to be a mentor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are fantastic insights. And it's, you know, really important to kind of 
like know ourselves and and what we prefer or don't prefer. I also am not a morning person either, so <laughs> I can totally relate to that. Um, and Lola, I'm going to ask you the same question. Um, you know, in in terms of your program. Um, you know, were there things that you learned about yourself um, as you went through the professional class one uh, driver's training? Um, I learned that I have anxiety. Hmm. I never really knew that I had anxiety. Could be a part of uh, menopause too. <laughs> but um, not the school part. Mm-hmm. Again, it was the truck driving when we started uh, the first day we started um, bobtailing, which means just the truck, just the tractor. Mm-hmm. And then the very next day I was hooked up to a trailer and driving around. And um, I would have to say that I couldn't relate before to having panic attacks and I definitely can now. Hmm. So I did learn, whereas before I thought I had, I was fearless I used to stunt my motorcycle, do wheelies, and um, I would do anything presented to me. It wouldn't bother me. And I have to say, like, even now, uh, truck driving is not is not for um, someone who struggles with anxiety on a daily basis because it is very scary. Is it just um, being in charge of, of, of that big a machine or what um, what do you think is kind of behind that? I would say uh, that the biggest thing for me would be getting lost. So I haul super bees, so two trailers. Hmm. And uh, also uh, I have in the past hauled fuel and right now hot oil. So, you know, if you're end up rolling that over and you have a spill, that's a lot of money uh, on the company that you're responsible for. And also the environment, right? Um, You spill some fuel into the ground that that seeps down very, very deep and chances of you uh, getting all of that out is very slim. So it is a big responsibility. And again, um, part of being a truck driver, you go to new places pretty much every day and there's been times when I've been lost and uh, the outcome was favorable, but um, you know, you end up in places where you shouldn't be in school zones and things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's where I struggle with, uh, with the anxiety and also winter driving is not that much fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't find winter driving fun in a car, so I can't even imagine <laughs> how you might find it. Um, and was there anything particular that you've done to kind of get over some of that or, or help you cope? Definitely my background in uh, hypnotherapy. Also, um, I train under a Zen master from Israel. He uh, developed this program. Uh, it's not program, it's actual uh, therapy. It's called trilotherapy. So he had came over to Canada and trained 20 of us to become trilotherapists. So uh, basically it teaches you how to communicate, bring communication between the head and the heart. So when the head is taking over and just saying, you know, uh, you idiot, why, why did you do that? How did you make that turn and come in here when the heart steps in and, and shows you a little more gentle side of, of things? Hmm. 
That's great. Wow. And I, I've never heard of that. I'm going to have to look that up after uh, after this interview. That's really cool. Um, I'm going to switch gears just slightly. We're going to talk a bit about jobs. Um, so Lola, you're with WestCan. Caitlin, you have a great job with PCL. Both of these are great companies. Um, did the program Women Building Futures play a role in helping you connect with uh, these employers? Or how did you land these jobs? And maybe Caitlin, I'll start with you. Um, Women Building Futures actually did help a lot for jobs and they continue to help. So um, they actually started. So I had gotten sick um, the last couple of weeks of my course and I pushed through it and gone in and did my work. I did it in the in the lunchroom because I just didn't feel like getting everybody sick in the process. Um, and I went and wrote my exam, but after my exam, I was supposed to go back and we were supposed to just, they take you on like, um, like a union trip. So they take you to different spots and you get to try different trades in the actual field. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of COVID, uh, a lot of that was dimmed back and then they were just going to do some activities at school for the last week and I couldn't go. So I was supposed to graduate on the Wednesday. I got the phone call on the Monday from Women Building Futures. Um, I guess a company had reached out and asked if they had any girls that would like to go and work on site as cleaners with Willow Ridge. And I agreed to do so. So that Monday I got the call. Tuesday I got the interview. Wednesday I was told I was hired. Uh, Thursday, I went for the drug and alcohol test and Friday, I was at work. So literally two days after I would have graduated, they had already found me a job and had me in and working at that job. And then from there, I just kind of pushed myself and met the right people on site and managed to find my way into um PCL as an electrician and they actually indentured me and Tiara right away. So they do help you in the sense of you guaranteed 90% of the time you will have a job coming out of the program. That's amazing. And to have it like turn around in, in like a week, that's incredible. And then you're and then you leveraging that opportunity to get yourself into a great company like PCL. Um, Lola, what about you um, in terms of getting connected with WestCan? How did that happen? So the way the class one uh, professional driver program works at Women Building Futures or had for my class and the class before me. There were five sponsors. So there was Westcan, there was Trimac, there was Karen, there was Rosenal, and there was Watton Stewart. And um, basically, depending on how you performed in school, your grades, and um, what the uh, general transport that the school that's the school that we went to, what they said about um, how we handled school and, uh, and driving truck for them, that would depend, they would pass that over to the sponsors. And then that would determine if you got an interview with one, two, or all of the sponsors. So fortunately, I was able to interview with all of them. Mm-hmm. And um, I decided to go with WestCan uh, because I really, I mean, flat deck is not that it didn't apply, uh, appeal to me. It's just with uh, West Can, I knew that they hauled hot oil. I knew that they hauled 
um, fuel, but I was interested in learning. Like I, when I started on the asphalt side of it, the hot oil, I had researched so much stuff about asphalt and how it works. And um, it's kind of like mixing bread and things like that. The more you mix it or the less you mix it would determine how strong it is or how much ductility it has and stuff like that. So that's why I chose to go with West Cam because I felt like there was more there to keep me entertained as such, I guess. Um, oh, that's yeah. super interesting. So it, it actually came down to sort of like not just the company itself, but what the company actually um, was transporting at the end of the day and, and kind of your um, sense of connection to that or interest in that. I, I never would have thought of that. That's that's really cool. Um, I want to uh, I want to touch on something that Caitlin brought up a little bit earlier. Um, and, and this is the fact that, you know, both of you have careers in what might be considered pretty male-dominated sectors. So working in construction, working in the transportation industry, I mean, working in the trades in general. Um, what are your thoughts or experiences so far working in these sectors as women? And maybe, Caitlin, I'll, I'll start with you. Everybody's pretty accepting in the trades. Um, you do find a couple of people that are very set in the older ways um, of a woman should be at home and having babies and everything else. And I mean, who's to say that I can't do that? But as for right now, I'm a more hands-on woman. I like coming home with dirty hands. Dirty hands, clean money. Um, but you do find a lot of males that will absolutely, from the beginning, pump you up, teach you what you need to know, and they will push you as hard as you can go to get where you need to be. And they'll stand behind you at all times. Um, so I have had quite a few men um, take up where I needed them to take up. Like there are people on opposite crews. I can walk up to them and be like, mm, I don't know what this part is. Can you explain this to me? And instantly they'll explain. They never judge you for asking questions. Um, they understand that it's hard in your first year. And a lot of them also understand that it's harder being a woman in your first year. You work 10 times harder to get there. And once you get there, you still have people that judge you for it. So you're constantly trying to prove yourself. And I mean, it is hard. It's not for the faint of heart to go into the trades because you're going to spend a lot of your time proving that you deserve to be there. Mm. But if you can prove that you deserve to be there, they back you up 100% every step of the way. Wow. And, and Lola, what about you? You've had a couple of experiences now, um, kind of hearkening back to your days as a welder, but now um, as a driver, um, what's been your experience as, as a woman in, in the trades? Um, I'm going to be quite honest. When I first started welding, it wasn't easy. Um, I remember going to a job. <clears throat> so with welding, you have to test, would do a weld test before you, that's your interview pretty much. So I pulled up to a shop and um, I was doing going, going to do my weld test. I pulled in, I was in a minivan and a uh, pair of Carhartts, you know, hair up in a ponytail, ready to, uh, my welding lid ready to go test. And a bunch of guys ran to the door and I heard the foreman, I guess, saying, get back to work. It's just a woman. So mm -hmm. anyway, I went in and I did my weld test and I passed it. Uh, the welding inspector came out and he said, yep, he says, that's a wonderful weld. Yeah, it's a full pass. So the guy that tested with me there, he got hired on the spot, but I didn't. 
Um, so I thought, okay, I passed the well test. I wonder what's going on. So they said, we'll, we'll contact you. So I left and I went home. I never heard nothing that day. The next day I called in and he says, oh, nobody has called you yet. I said, no, he said, I'll have somebody call you. So then it was the next day, I think he called and he honestly, he honestly said this to me. I'm sorry, we can't employ you at this time. You'd be too much of a distraction in the shop. Wow. Yeah. So that I was given that line a few times and that's how I got into the union. I went to the union and um, I asked if I could join the union and I still had a really poor experience there. My first job, I was sitting with the apprentice um, liaison and he had called a company and said right in front of me, he says, Hey, he says, I got a looker here for you if you want her. And yeah, right then and there, I said, I'm not interested in that job. He said, what do you mean? You don't have a choice, but to take this job. You're a first year apprentice. And I end up having to take the job, but it had already set me out on yeah. a, a horrible journey. Right. So yeah. there were times, and like Caitlin said, there's been guys that has stuck by me. Um, there's been guys that thought that I would be uh, better off home in the kitchen. There were guys that wanted to marry me or do other things. And it is a struggle. Uh, you have to be careful. Like, Oh, am I wearing anything revealing today? Is my shirt tight or things that men really don't have to worry about. And even in the trucking industry, I've only been in it a year and I've had a few incidents. Um, it's sad to say that we have to uh, endure this on a daily basis. Wow. Yeah. And it makes me sad and mad um, that, you know, it's 2020 and, uh, and we're still facing this in, in, you know, in your sector, certainly, um, but also, you know, I, I see this in other sectors as well. Um, well, let's, uh, let's talk about something happier. <laughs> let's talk about what's next for both of you. So Lola, I think I saw a train conductor on your list of things uh, to do in the future. Do you want to share a bit more about the train conductor comment? I actually have no idea why I'm uh, interested in that, but um, I guess it's, I've always, and it probably comes from my background, uh, but I feel like I'm always wanting to prove that I can do something. And it doesn't have to be in a male dominant field. It could be anything. Um, I was a kickboxing instructor for years. So um, I always feel like I have to push myself further and go beyond. So wow. to me, a uh, train conductor would be the next best thing to go for. <laughs> Very cool. And Caitlin, what about you? Are you going to continue on uh, with your journey uh, in, in electrical work? Or, or what do you envision for yourself? Actually, I am going to continue on. I would like to be a master electrician at some point in the future. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I would like to double up on a trade. And I actually kind of wanted to go do some plumbing in the end. Oh, cool. You're going to have all the all the skills. We're just going to wrap up here. I want to ask both of you a very open-ended question. Just is there anything else that you want to add or any advice that you want to share for other women who might be considering the trades? And, and Caitlin, I'll start with you. Um, absolutely. So my advice to you is don't let it scare you. Don't let the fear of what other people are going to think about you or how you live your life, stop you from being something absolutely amazing. 
do what you need to do. Go in. If you if you feel more comfortable being dirty and coming home looking like a little grub instead of doing your makeup and going to work every day, do it. If it makes you happy, go for it. And if you want to go through Women Building Futures, they've got you every step of the way. Fantastic. Lola, you get the last word. Any advice you want to share or anything else you want to add? I have something very profound to share, actually. (laughs) So the guy that mentored me when I was welding, his name is Luke. And uh, his company uh, is Cool Hand Loop Welding. Anyway, he has said to me, because as I said, I, I'm, well, I guess we're all our own worst critics, but um, I'm, I know I'm pretty hard on myself and perfection is one of the things that I strive for all the time. And he had said to me, Lola, let's get good first and then you can get fast. Hmm. And I apply that to every aspect of my life. You have to get good at something first, and then you, you can become fast at it. Yeah. Yeah, that is really profound and a great way to end. Um, I want to thank both of you so much for making time to have this conversation and for sharing your stories. Thank you very much. Thank you for very having well. us. Thank yes, thank you for having us. I left my interview with Lola and Caitlin feeling so inspired and grateful to have had the chance to hear about their lives and back-to-school journeys. Lola's story of overcoming a host of barriers and obstacles, of retraining more than once, of raising a family as a single parent and breaking stereotypes in a male-dominated industry, it was so powerful. And then Caitlin, seeing her mom's journey and deciding she was going to seize this opportunity to train with Women Building Futures and become an electrician, I'm just so excited for both of these women as they chart their future course. The week we recorded this interview, there was a story about a female news reporter who was being wardrobe policed, and a few weeks later, a woman was fired for a supposed wardrobe violation at her workplace. This is not acceptable. Women still face issues of sexism and discrimination, not only in the trades, but also in other industries. That needs to change. Lastly, I want to give a big shout out to the Women Building Futures program. What a fantastic opportunity to train more women to learn the skills to take on well-paid, satisfying careers in the trades. That's our show today. I hope you enjoyed it. A huge thanks to our sponsor, Athabasca University, for generously supporting the show. You can find out more about their many educational offerings at athabascau.ca. If you like the show, please give us a rating. It helps other people connect to us. You can reach me at backtoschoolagain.ca or at schoolagainpod on all the usual social channels. I'd love to hear your story. Back to School Again was recorded on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional homelands of First Nations and Métis people. Special thanks to our talented technical producer, Corey Stroder. Back to School Again is proud to be affiliated with the Alberta Podcast Network. Find out more at albertapodcastnetwork.com. See you next time.